the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today at the Healing for the Ages conference in Dallas, Texas, and I am joined with David Todge. He's the author and producer of Attack of the Blue Meanies, and I just got to watch the first chapter. It's a video series that he's doing, and it was pretty awesome. So how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and telling us about this. So what made you start this? What made you do this? Well, uh... I want to say, you know, part of uh, my background is I was at uh, Pepperdine University, mm-hmm. and I uh, actually uh, where I want, really wanted to go to school. Yeah, Gone for, beautiful. Yeah, it was an MBA program, mm-hmm. uh, finance emphasis. Mm-hmm. And during one of the finance classes, uh, there was a finance book, and in the margin, it talked about how the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. is actually a political allegory about United States uh, monetary policy mm-hmm. in circa 1890s. Yeah. Yes, I'm pretty And good. that fascinated me, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so, you know, the background behind that is the uh, uh, farmers at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the United States was 90% uh, agriculture. Right. And so everybody, most people were living on a farm. Mm-hmm. And um, the farmers were, uh, well, I guess the, uh, the immigration was... Mm-hmm taking place in a big way, right? Mm-hmm. So we had massive explosion from, let's say, 10 million, I'm gonna use rough numbers, mm-hmm, right? Sure. But 10 million to 30 million Americans, okay. right? So it was about a tripling of the amount of people in the United States. Okay. And at that same time, we had a limited gold supply, right? There was no new gold right. being supplied. So let's say where on average, everyone had a dollar, mm-hmm in their pocket at the beginning of that process. Mm-hmm. Well, you have three times as many people, you're not finding any gold, so they can't print any more dollars. So it ended up being that you are maybe having everyone with an average of, let's say 50 cents in their mm-hmm. pocket. Okay. Okay. So what happens is you have a period of deflation mm-hmm. because People have less ability to pay, mm-hmm. so they begin to negotiate more at retail, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I used to pay a nickel for a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to be 20%, okay. right? Now that's 10%, right? So, hey, Mr. Store Owner, you know, maybe uh, can I offer you three cents for, mm-hmm. the, for the loaf, right? Yeah. And then that wholesale price kind of trickles down to, to uh, or retail trickles down to wholesale. And, um, you know, it created a problem, right? It created deflationary period in the, in the country. Right. Now, how that impacted farmers yeah. was fascinating to me, right? Because farmers, uh, let's say the average education was sixth grade, mm-hmm. and they would go down to the bank, and the average education, let's say, was uh, eighth grade, right? Right. So the sixth graders were going to the eighth graders saying, can I have a loan? Yeah. The eighth graders were like, well, uh, how, how can I write this loan <laughs> so I could get as much money? Make it worth my while. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So let's say that the, uh, the banker knows mm-hmm. the farming business. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're going to you know, grow wheat, mm-hmm. they're gonna harvest the wheat, take it to market, mm-hmm. and they're gonna get $5 a bushel, right? And I'm using this as a, as a generic number, but sure. you know, let's say a nickel at retail, $5 a bushel, mm-hmm. right? So then over time, as it went to three cents at retail, well, mm-hmm. eventually it's gotta go to $3 mm-hmm. a bushel, right? right? 
but they're writing the loan saying, hey, farmer, you're going to get $5. So we'll give you the loan. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, you, we, we give you the loan for the seed. Mm-hmm. You plant the seed. Right. And then you sell for five. You pay us three fifty, okay. and you keep a dollar fifty. That's what the eighth graders were telling the sixth graders. <laughs> right? That worked fine as mm-hmm. long as the price was $5. Okay. There was a time in our country when the farmer... Harvests the grain, puts it on the wagon, has the two-day uh-huh. uh, horse-drawn carriage ride, right? right? To bring his wagon to the marketplace, let's say in Chicago. Okay. And halfway there, he runs into a farmer coming back that says, haven't you heard? They're only offering $3. Hmm. And the farmer says, well, I owe the bank three fifty. Right. And then the farmer says, well, why am I going to drive my wagon Mm -hmm. to Chicago another day only to take a 50-cent loss? So what they do is they they tossed their their load on the side of the road, Mm -hmm. went back to their farm, packed up all their stuff, and moved because they knew that the bank was going to repossess their farm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have all of this grain on the side of the road in America. The city's starved. Right. Right? And this is all because we were on the gold standard back in the 1890s. Right. Right. So the Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. right, the scarecrow represents the farmer. Mm -hmm. If the farmer only had a brain, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have agreed to the loan. Mm -hmm. The Tin Man Mm -hmm. doesn't have a heart. Right. Represents the industrial northeast, right? The industrial revolution was taking place in the in the northeast. Right. So if the northeast had had a heart, they would have bailed out the farmer, mm-hmm. and it would have been good for them because then they wouldn't have starved. Right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. Now the, the cowardly lion they're saying is the uh, uh, is the president at the time, mm-hmm. the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East mm-hmm. are pro-gold lobby. Mm-hmm. Because there's also, at that time, right, people understood mm-hmm. that it, they weren't able to print any more dollars right. because they had not found any gold. Right. And there was a group of- It was uh, like, prior to the fiat currency, so it was correct. actually backed by gold. It was so backed by gold. that was representing the, the money was a representation of something that it was backed by. Correct. Which was the gold. Yeah. Correct. So there was a political party at the time that mm-hmm. was kind of like their version of MAGA, mm-hmm. right? And But they were all about gold and silver. Right. And their logic was, well, if we recognize silver, then we can put silver in Fort Knox mm-hmm. and start printing more dollars and right. bring it back up so everybody has, on average, a dollar in their pocket. The, the gold guys didn't want that, right? Because mm-hmm. they wanted to control. Yeah. Right? So you have the Wicked Witch of the East and the West are representing people that were, you know, more in the gold lobby, right? right. They were the evil right, uh-huh. villains. Toto represented the political party that was for gold and silver. Mm. You had the Yellow Brick Road mm-hmm. and Oz, which is ounce, mm-hmm. which is the unit of measurement for precious metals. Right. In the book itself, Dorothy's shoes were not ruby slippers, they were silver slippers, Uh, right? And the answer was all along that if they had just gone to the silver standard, they would have been able to print the money and Mm -hmm. solve this. I mean, think about it. 
It's about coordinating market activity mm-hmm. and having stable, uh, you know, a mathematical model that's stable where everybody can trust it. Mm-hmm. So that we can coordinate our economic activity among each other. Right. Right. That was the purpose of money. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. But you have, you know, and we even have that problem today, right? There are groups, stakeholders that mm-hmm. they've got themselves in a position financially and they want to protect that because they're not earning through effort, right? Mm-hmm. Or serving. They're earning through managing their money mm-hmm. to make more money. Right. right. Well, I mean, but today it's very different because it is a fiat currency, so it's not backed by anything. Oh, so, well, yeah. And yeah. That, that, that's, that, I it's agree with that. It's a whole different but, yeah, conversation. Yeah. But so this is where the Wizard of Oz just captured my mind okay. and, and got me really excited. Right. Now, I, um, I had an um, experience where I was uh, in sales mm-hmm. for a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. And I was reasonably, you know, up mm-hmm. there, right? Consistently yeah. in, let's say, the top 10% of okay. the sales uh, group. Uh, but there were a lot of people that I don't think were practicing sales mm. the way that made sense to me. I think they were just chasing the commission. Okay. They weren't serving the customer. Gotcha, okay. So I wrote a book, uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm... We'll skip that okay. for right now. But I, I, I wrote a book. It sold hundreds of copies. Okay. Right? It, it was just, I learned, one, people don't read. Nope. Right? <laughs> uh, and then I also learned, you know, I think it was like that lesson that uh, Ayn Rand, mm-hmm. you know, when she did The Fountainhead, mm-hmm. right, before she did Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. is that it was, it was too, um, it lacked a narrative. Uh, okay. Right? And so it wasn't easy to consume. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So based off of that experience, um, I was in search of a narrative. Mm. But I didn't know it. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I, and I became aware of... Uh, uh, who was the author for Star Wars? Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, Lucas? Yeah, George Lucas. Thank you. So George Lucas, he was in an interview and he was referencing... This book called it, um, The Hero of a Thousand Faces mm-hmm. and talking about the hero's journey. Right. And so I started. Joseph Campbell. To, yes, Joseph Campbell. Thank you. So I, I dived into that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this idea about narrative, which had mm-hmm. never occurred to me before, uh-huh. all of a sudden, it was like a, the light bulb went on. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Wow, there's this whole creative thing that mm-hmm. needs to happen right. in order to make that connection with people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I was in search of a narrative. Right. And then when 2020 came around, I'm like, wow. <laughs> right? I think I think what we need is a narrative that mm. helps our younger generation okay. ramp up their contextual awareness mm-hmm. of this thing that we've just gone through. And maybe to borrow some ideas from the book. Right. right that, uh, the book was on sales. Okay. All right. And a big point of the book is that um, there's no such thing as a sale. Mm. Sales are actually purchase decisions. Purchase? Purchase decisions. Okay. Right? If I'm, uh, it's not the seller making a decision, it's the buyer making sure. a decision. And the buyer is making a purchase. Right. Sure. Right. So, 
you know, when I approached sales, I was helping the buyer buy something. That's right. the way I was looking right. at it, right? And I, I think a lot of salespeople don't look that way. Right. Uh, they're just trying to close a sale. Mm, right, right? right. So different mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you look at uh, purchase decision, mm -hmm. purchase decision has about eight different steps, but the first two I think are the, are the most important, right? Okay. The, the first one is need awareness. Okay. The second step is solution identification. Right, sure. And salespeople, pretty much by and large, they start at step number two, mm -hmm. solution identification. Right, right. And they make an assumption about the buyer having right. an adequate level of need awareness. Right. And so I wanted to write a narrative mm -hmm. that helped children mm -hmm. Young children, older children, mm -hmm. college-age children, yeah. maybe children, you know, Gen Xers like myself, <laughs> right? Uh, to help us be, raise our need awareness mm -hmm. about a truth mm -hmm. that maybe we're not aware of. Right. Right. I think Gen Xers, yeah, it makes sense because there's that whole meme about Gen Xers, how they're the first generation that was... Uh, like 30 when they were 10, and they're also 30 when they're 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, ha I haven't heard that. That's yeah, actually, yeah great. That, uh, I like that. I like that. So, Attack of the Blue Meanies, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, the Blue Meanies. They are, you know, basically the deep state or, you know, our uh, permanent bureaucracy class. Right. right? They're people that... Parasite class. Yeah. 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 They, well, they want a job. Right, mm -hmm. and they want the job in order to, you know, they don't want to work for. You know, so that's why they're parasites. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let, let me make sure we're covering all the the characters. So we got okay. blue meanies. Okay. We've got yellow goodies. Okay. We've got wise brights. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's a dark witch. Okay. Uh, red warriors. Mm, right. Yes. I, I see uh, what you did the, there. The king of the green greedies. Okay. Right? So we got different colors representing different right. mindsets. Right? Sure. So the blue meanies are the bureaucracy class. Right. right? People that are like, hey, I want to go into government, and I'm taking this job thinking that I'm going to rule mm. over somebody. Right? So right. the blue meanies are intending to Expert rule. class who has authority. Yeah. yeah, and the yellow goodies, you know, they own the country. Mm -hmm. They're the owners, and they understand that they have a process in place so that they can choose who will work for them right. to handle this pesky thing called government mm. because the yellow goodies are mostly focused on running their businesses and living their, their busy lives. Right, yeah. Right? And that's what we do in America, right? Yeah, because sure. we have the pursuit of happiness. Right. And we're all conducting business. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, people have uh, good intentions mm -hmm. and we care about each other. Sure. And so we're yellow goodies, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the yellow goodies have a little you know, circle on them with a, a sheep, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're lambs, we're sheep. Right, right. right? The, the blue meanies have a little circle on them with uh, fox ears mm. right? because they're they're mischievous. They're like uh, foxes in the hen house. Right. right? Okay. Um, the king of the green greedies is a wolf. Mm. Right. Okay. The, the dark witch is a snake. 
mm, which very you know appropriate being for this here conference. Yeah, yeah exactly dr artis and the yeah. whole covid-19 being snake venom yes it's, it's kind of amazing yes. and then even with uh, uh, dr uh, uh, is it smith um, Jenna Smith, Dr. Yeah, Jenna Smith. She yeah. was talking about uh, how much she loves yellow, mm. right? Bee pollen and sunflowers. Oh, and, yeah. and I was like, oh my goodness, she's such a, uh, a good example of a yellow goodie. <laughs> right. right. And then um, I was speaking with Michael Jaco, and, okay. and he was talking about how the direct energy weapons also like have that. Uh, the blue frequency, mm. right, is the evil frequency because I guess it comes out to six six six. Oh, is that's why they chose it and dialed it in in Maui, right? So, okay. So it was like you know every day, I'm kind of blown away at yeah, how more confirmation. Yeah. How you know th there's like a prophetic nature mm -hmm. to this story that I was totally un you know it's it's God, right? Mm -hmm. It's not me. Right. All I did was you're the facilitator. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, the story is called "Attack of the Blue Meanies," mm -hmm. and it's um, it's political, mm -hmm. but it's also about the spiritual war that we're in. And so, it very much talks about uh, space time. Yeah. It uh, you know lays out a case for children so that they can begin to understand how we are within the constraints of space time, mm -hmm. and how God is outside the right. constraints of space-time and how he's used scripture to make promises mm -hmm. and then let generations come and go mm -hmm. and then fulfill those promises right. so that we can have that evidence and, you know, be impressed by that. Learn the lesson. So that we can, you know, recognize, oh my goodness, the Bible is proof mm. that God exists, mm -hmm. right? Which I... I I pray that that ends up sparking a revival across the country, right? It's, and that, that's the intention behind this year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think there's so many times we're at these uh, events yeah. um, where we want to um, have a political solution. Mm, right. Right. We've got to form these committees. We mm. need to as attend these meetings. Right. We need to make our voices heard. Right. That's not the battlefield. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a battlefield on one level, sure. maybe for our generation. Sure. But yeah. if we really want to win the battle for our nation, our nation is not a place. It's a people. Mm-hmm. And the people that are about to receive... I think it's an idea, really, I would argue, yeah. Right, but the yeah. people that are going to receive that idea yeah. are our children. Sure. And yep. if we're not ramping them up... Right. Okay, we send them to school, mm -hmm. and our educators are glad to... Indoctrinate and, them. Yeah, yeah, basically give them information unopposed. Right. And... Attack of the Blue Meanies is less than an hour long. Okay. And after even 20 minutes, I think a child uh, is not going to be tricky tricked. Mm hmm Right. Right? By an educator who's leading them down a path that's not in their best interest. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think they really are. There's a war for the children, mm -hmm. for sure. And uh, it's great to have something that's a buffer. And that can create some sort of a uh, 
Yeah, resistance to all the indoctrination that they're getting, especially in the schools. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's and it's a fairy tale at the end of the day. Okay. I mean, it's it's not like I'm trying to drop truth bombs right. and then uh, you know create an opportunity for the opposite mm-hmm. side to attack it like, well, that's not true. Right. It's a story. Right. Right? But the yeah. principles are true. Right. And that's what we need. We need stories. I mean, that's part of why I think like the Wizard of Oz are so iconic. It's because it's a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people get swept up in the story and they... They don't necessarily recognize the messaging that's being inculcated by a storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah. The, that, that's why the the opposition I call them the you know the parasite class and the anti-humanity crowd, uh, but they're so good because they they recognize that they recognize the power of storytelling and uh, creativity and imagination, and they use that to co-opt uh, you know the culture and to socially engineer the masses. So mm-hmm. for us to have that on you know the side that is pro-human. I think is so incredibly important. Oh, and it de- needs desperately to, needed. Yes, desperately and it needs needed. to be done from a creative place. It needs to be done where it's not pedantic and it's not just beating people over the head with messages. Mm-hmm. It needs to be done in a format that's enjoyable, that's palatable, uh, and especially when you're dealing with children. So. Oh, it's yeah, it's got to be family friendly, mm-hmm. and we need laughter. We do. Right? So and, and, important. And like uh, I was so pleased. Uh, the first chapter, right? Mm-hmm. I uh, tested it with yeah. uh, like a three-year-old and sure. a five-year-old in his family. The three-year-old's like, more, 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 oh, right? Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's great. And then my son, you know, at the time he was 12. Okay. He watched and he understood it. Great. And there were par- parts where he's laughing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I think we've got something here that yeah. has some legs. That's great. And um, so I'm really hoping that it ends up blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I think, the pursuit of happiness, right? Life, yeah. liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. happiness. Yeah. To, to make the definition of that a little bit more concrete in yeah, people's sure. minds. Yep. That, that ends up becoming something universal, right? It'll mm. It'll... Be really that projection mm-hmm. of right. America yes. to the world, yeah. which I think at the end of the day we have to be salt and light, and we need to shine and deliver God's message. Right. Um, and I, th- I think it, it begins to accomplish those things. So. Yeah. Well, I only saw a little taste of it in the first chapter, and I thought it was awesome. So, yeah, I hope people watch it. Tell people where they can find it. And, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. So it's on Rumble. Okay. Uh, there's no paywall. It's free. Great. So uh, there is the first chapter is mm-hmm. available if you just want to watch like a little three-minute piece and get a taste. Right. Or you can watch. It's ju- just under um, an hour. Okay. It's like 54 minutes or something like that. The whole that. thing. And and that's for the first five chapters. Okay. Okay. And then it's a to-be-continued because uh. we're still like unpacking this yeah. whole experience. So right. at some point in the future, there will be more chapters. Great. Right? But yeah. uh, five, you know, it's a good hour and it yeah. maybe help uh, help bring people together. Yeah. So all those uh, homeschool parents out there should uh, oh, look absolutely. it up. Definitely. I'm, I'm hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. I, I thank you so much yeah. for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. If you have anything else you want to share, please do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send a, a link to you about the uh, Substack that I wrote oh, about the Wizard of Oz. 
Yeah. And how it ties into the attack of the blue Total, meanies, just yeah. so that we have that connection. I would love that, yeah. I mean, I've heard the whole financial story behind it, but I, I would love to see how you correlate that with what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, well, right I, I actually dug some, uh, uh, you know, historical documents out oh, that show the financial reports. Okay. And, you know, I kind of stitched together, a, you know, a, a what-if narrative of mm-hmm. how the farmer must have been talking to the banker during these times. <laughs> With it, because uh, the numbers are there, right? And it's pretty clear, and we know the historical evidence about the malaise that the country was in. So, so. all these people who uh, think that it was a uh, an acid trip that's supposed to be watched with—is it the doors? Oh, <laughs> might be a little disappointed. Yeah, well, you know, it, <laughs> the movie was a great uh, production. Yeah, uh, you know, beautiful music, yeah. ruby slippers. You yeah. know, if that's your thing, go for and, it. And all the visuals and the colors and yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, there, I, <laughs> I, I, I find the uh, you know when something actually has more substance to it, it becomes even more technicolor, right? Even yeah, more course, exciting sure. and, and engaging, interesting. So. Absolutely. So maybe they'll uh, be that much more excited and not disappointed. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. So nice to meet you. You too. Thank you. And thank you for watching. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.